been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone and welcome to this special bonus episode of the Recruiting Future podcast. Back in April, I ran a live podcast conference on the future of talent acquisition in partnership with the team at TA Tech. We had 10 excellent speakers across five topic sessions, and I'm delighted to be able to bring you the content as a series of podcasts. I've released these every Friday for the last few weeks, and I really hope you've been enjoying them. The last episode in this series looks at the future of AI and the candidate experience. This is a very wide-ranging topic, and I was delighted to have two guests who come at it from very different angles. Diane Serco, VP of US Talent Acquisition at Siemens, and James Saunders, CEO of Attrax. You'll also hear briefly from Peter Weddle from TA Tech at the end as we bring the event to a close. So I'm the head of U.S. talent acquisition at Siemens. Um, And for those of you who aren't as familiar with Siemens, we're a global tech company. We help our customers to transform their industries through all kinds of innovative technology solutions. Our goal is to really kind of connect the physical and digital worlds. And we're in collaboration with our customers taking on challenges like climate change, like sustainable uh, transportation, healthcare efficient and sustainable manufacturing, and then some and then some. We have a a pretty large footprint here in the U.S. The team that I lead supports our core industrial businesses and our corporate functions. And we recruit across all talent segments. So everything from early professional to skilled trade to experienced professional to senior level executive and everything in between. Fantastic stuff. So James, introduce yourself and tell us what you do. Hi, Matt. Well, thanks for having me on. Um, so my name is James Saunders. I'm the CEO of a company called Attrax. And many many of you might not have heard of Attrax because we've only been going about 18 months. Uh, so we're a kind of relative startup. But, uh, but Attrax is the first, to my knowledge, um, career site system that's been available to the HR technology market. So we build career sites that are smart, that are SaaS, um, that uh, evolve and develop uh, and are led by a, a very clear product roadmap. And we work with companies all over the world. Um, you know, so we've got we've got customers in the UK, customers in the US, customers in EMEA. We've got career site systems in uh, uh, Japan, for example. Uh, and effectively, what we focus on from an AI perspective is the front end of that candidate journey. So it's all about customizing and tailoring the candidate experience. Our, our philosophy is very much around People, in the same way as people buy from people, people want to see people like them when they're searching for jobs. Uh, and that's how we, we, we utilise and harness our technology to enable that to happen. Just to clarify, because people may not have come across the term before, but what's the difference between a career site and a career site system? Okay, so the career site has been around for 20 years, since the dawn of the internet. Um, and most talent attraction professionals, and maybe Diane, you, you might correct me here if I'm wrong, but they tend to see it as a bit of a burden because it's a, it's a thing you have to do every two to three years because it's constantly out of date. So typically, um, you'd go to a, a creative vendor and they would uh, give you a proposal and you'd spec something out and it all be very creative-led. By the time the whole thing goes live in, say, 18 months or so, it's actually out of date and you have to do the whole thing again in two or three years. So ours is a career site system. It's a piece of the HR technology tech stack in the same way as the ATS is. 
you know, you wouldn't go with a specification to a software vendor and say, I'd like an ATS that does this. You'd be led by the software vendor. And in exactly the same way, the career site system fits into the tech, tech stack uh, like that and obviously integrates with um, employer brand and ATS and, and things like that. So uh, think career site as a system, not as a creative project that you have to redo every couple of years. Cool. Thank you. And I thought it was, it was kind of worth clarifying that because I know it's something that not everyone has necessarily come across before. So AI and candidate experience, it's a, it's a, it's a really, it's a really big topic. And again, I want to kind of start with a, a bit of context and find out a bit more about really kind of how it affects your businesses. So it's starting with Diane, tell us, tell us about your strategy at, at Siemens. What, what work are you doing on AI and, and candidate experience? Yeah. The, the timing of this this discussion is it's funny because right now at Siemens, you know, we're we're thinking about how AI can really create opportunities for us to completely reimagine not only the candidate experience, but actually the experience throughout the entire talent lifecycle for both external talent as well as internal talent existing employees here at Siemens. So not only are we looking at you know, the things that everybody's looking at right now, better ways to proactively match talent to jobs, right? Both internal and external talent. Um, and, and to help those, those candidates engage with those opportunities. But we're also looking at how can this technology be used to, for example, match existing employees to learning opportunities based on their role, their skills, their development plan, their interests, you know, whatever, whatever the criteria might be. And so we've been talking a lot about, um, you know, all, I mean, all kinds of things, AI enabled assessment technology, how can that be used throughout the talent lifecycle? And then of course, there are tremendous opportunities to streamline and automate. And we've, I know that there's been a lot of discussion about that throughout the day today, streamline and automate aspects of the recruiting process and the onboarding process to create a more seamless experience for candidates. Um, you know, not to mention all of those potential use cases in progression, performance management, rewards, recognition, retention. You know, there's so many opportunities. We're not at Siemens trying to transform everything at the same time. You know, we're taking it in chunks, sort of starting it at the beginning. Um, but we see tremendous, tremendous opportunity. And we are truly reimagining all of that in the context of everything that AI can bring to bear for us. One of the things that has come up in all of the sessions so far has been the, the 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 challenging candidate market that we're currently in, and in some ways, in some ways that's almost a, a, a surprise because it's perhaps not where we thought we'd be this time last year. I want to ask about candidates, but I want to particularly talk about expectations. So, just sort of kicking off with James, from what you're seeing, how has the pandemic changed candidate expectations in terms of where they were eighteen months ago? Well. Um I, th I think from a recruiter perspective, you've got two challenges, haven't you? You've got the hard to find candidates and then you've got a selection problem. But I think we've got possibly for many roles less of a selection problem than we anticipated maybe six, 12 months ago. And actually, we're back, you know, with hard to fill roles. Um, I, I think from a candidate perspective, you've got to look at stuff that would have happened anyway, you know, before the pandemic. You know, there's a influx of millennials coming through into middle and senior management positions and their ex expectations are simply rather different to previous generations. Um, you know, but, but if, if you look at the parallels between uh, on digital recruitment and e-retail, uh, you know, there's something people have been speaking about for several years. Um, certainly the, the, the generation coming through spends a lot more time researching who they're going to work with 
um, and you know wanting that sort of um, uh, social proofing and things like that. So what, what that's led to is, from a career site perspective, is is um, much bigger career sites which include a lot more content that's much much more sophisticated than jobs content. So what I'm talking about there is uh, you know video content, social content, blog content, white papers, the whole thing. So that you get um, on a sophisticated career site, you might get you know 80, 90 percent of your content to be non-jobs based. Okay. So from that perspective, there the parallels between e-retail and recruitment kind of end, don't they? Because you know if you go onto Amazon, it's all about products. But, but there's there's not actually that much content uh, beyond that and the, and, and the reviews and things like that. So so the expectations of candidates uh, have changed. And um, I believe that the candidates are more willing to engage with brands um, earlier in the process than they've ever been. OK, so what I mean by that is that, you know, 80 percent of job seekers are passive. Um, many of those candidates are actually engaging with their brands, with the career sites, um, far far longer than you know previously in terms of um you know far earlier rather in the, in the job seeking process than they'd ever done before so um really it's about this this courtship um it's about um providing information that's not hard sell about a specific brand to um uh to a candidate but but of course you know there are you know big brands have lots of different roles to fill lots of different types of candidates um you know, and even within within a single role, there are different types of candidate. You know, if you're a 20 year old programmer, you're going to have different expectations to a 35 year old programmer. And the whole principle of using and leveraging AI is that you can use this technology to customize and personalize that candidate experience so that it's meaningful for the for the actual candidate. And that actually is good for the candidate, but it's great also for the brand because a it, it, it improves the employer brand, it improves the perception of the candidate um, of the employer. But secondly, it improves the conversion rate longer term. So even if you've got a long three, six month courtship with the candidates where they're interacting with your content on the career site, that sort of thing, you're going to have a much better chance of converting that candidate. And in the global war for talent, you know, everybody wants that. So it's a, it's a very much different. So it's almost, you know, it's, it's very much the opposite of a job board sort of transactional way of dealing with things. And, um, you know, it's been predicted for a few years. And I think possibly the pandemic has um actually sped up that process. And Diane, what's your kind of experience in terms of changing candidate expectations as they kind of move through the funnel? Yeah, it's 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 hard to keep up with lately. Um, and to James's point, you know, I think most of us in the in the talent HR, talent acquisition space, we already knew that the pandemic would drive major changes in the future workforce and in candidate expectations, right? And a lot of especially larger organizations have been preparing for that right for the for the last several months rethinking their work culture so on and so forth i i read a an article uh that cited a survey just about a week ago um in which 50 percent of the respondents said that flexibility in hours and location has become more important to them post-covid as we emerge from the pandemic when they're looking for a new job opportunity and that's the fastest growing factor ahead of work-life balance, ahead of benefits, ahead of pay, and even ahead of workforce culture. And that, and that response was consistent across all generations from boomers to Generation Z. So, you know, I, I, that just speaks to what's happening in the market right now. I, I, I've surveyed my recruiters just on my team about what they're experiencing. So I'm reading what's happening in the you know external market. Are we seeing the same thing here? And and you know they're echoing 
the the um, the candidate expectations around flexibility on hours and location. Interestingly, you know, we're reading talent trend reports saying that more people are saying that they intend to make a job move this year. But when it comes to passive talent, what we're experiencing directly is that I would I would call it, this is not very scientific, but I would say we're seeing an above average reluctance to make a move among passive talent. And I think people still kind of need a minute <laughs> to trust that the market's changing. We're emerging from this pandemic um, and that they feel like they're comfortable to take a risk, make a major life decision, which is completely understandable. But what that also means is that for the people who are willing to make a job, a, a job change, the market's hot for them. Multiple offers, intense salary negotiation. You know, it's just really, really changed the game that much more in the war for talent. I presume candidate experience is a it is, is a massive kind of selling point, a massive part of the brand within that, isn't it? It is. And I think it's important that, you know, with just looking at how all, and, and it's it feels like, and James, you probably noticed this too, the trends change almost week to week. You're learning something new, like mm. what's going on, right? And so it's critically important that we, mm. when we think about candidate experience, we're we're almost thinking about it like we think about employee value proposition. It needs to be flexible and responsive. Um, it's not just a static thing. Like we, we define what it is and that's what it is. It's not like that anymore. Yeah, no, absolutely. Ab absolutely. It's, it's such a fascinating time. And I think what's really interesting is, you know, we've been talking about the candidate experience at conferences and events and in meetings for, for at least a decade, if not longer, but it does really feel like we're at a kind of an inflection point in terms of, Increasing candidate expectations, but also increasing sophistication in terms of in terms of technology. So, my next question is really about that. It's we've also talked about automation kind of a lot already today. But I mean, how does 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 automation and AI actually work with with humans in terms of delivering a great candidate experience? James, what are your what are your thoughts? Well, I, I think listen, if it's not good for the candidate, it's not good for anyone, is it? You know, so um, you know, people are. You know, people are worried about the machines taking over and so forth. And, and, and you know, with it, again, going back to e-retail, I think when you've got a, a cold, hard product, um, then you, you can automate everything a, a little bit more easily because a camera is just a camera, isn't it? But uh, when you're talking about a human being that doesn't react in the same way as, a, a you know, a, a camera, for example, then, you, you know, you have to, you, you, that human input always has to be there. Um, what, what you know, bots are hot at the moment, aren't they? Everybody wants a bot on their career site. Everybody wants a you know because that that seems to be a great way of improving candidate experience uh, and also of automating um, stuff which takes time and effort in recruitment teams. Um, but I think I think we're kind of going through this transition period where um, you know it's kind of a, a, a bot is kind of an interesting thing. Um, and, uh, it, it, you know, it, almost from a candidate perspective, it's one of these things we go, oh, right, you know, you know, these guys have got a bot. Yeah, I get that. Let's give it a test and stuff. But for me, um, you know, if we, if we go in a couple of years in the future, it's all about that becoming the norm. Because, um, you know, if you're going to personalize that whole candidate experience to a candidate, and that's kind of what you were alluding to, Diane, I think what you're saying is that let's treat everybody a bit differently because people want to be treated a bit differently then you're going to have to find out a bit more about those those people and 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 just looking at their behavior you know what they do on a career site or how they interact with your brand or your advertising 
is one thing and we can collect stuff around you know ip and cookies and stuff but but that is that is a bit limited you know you're going to have to ask them questions and find out stuff about themselves um and and that's where a bot is really useful and and, and a bot comes in so you know for, for me um you know if, we, if we're looking into the future i i think it's going to become a hygiene factor i think we're going to be less drawn to it i think we that that, that sort of subconscious or am i going to be dealing with a, hu- a human behind this or is it an actual robot it's kind of being removed a little bit but but ultimately it, it's got to all have that human touch within the, within the talent interaction sphere from, from my perspective and diane coming over coming over to you i mean what's the what's your views on this what's the the balance that you have between humans and ai in your in, in your sort of candidate experience and and where do you think that's going in the future yeah i i um, very much agree with everything that james just said and you know i think just building on that a little bit more what we're seeing is candidates really are coming to expect a more consumer grade experience, right? So they're already experiencing that really hyper-personalized digital experience in almost every other aspect of their lives. So why would they not expect it in the hiring process? Of course, the big difference is that buying a product online is not usually life-changing um, although I have, you know, maybe bought a life-changing pair of shoes once in my life, but but it's usually not life-changing, right? But searching for a job or interviewing for a, what might be your next job is potentially life-changing. And Trent, you know, spoke to this in the last session. So we have to be really careful, and we are at Siemens, very careful not to digitize the humanity out of this experience. We can't do that. And AI actually gives us the opportunity to automate that lower touch transactional stuff, if you will, right in the process. So we can create more space and more opportunity for that human interaction. Then we, you know, we can kind of strategically create, and then this is what we've been working on doing throughout our process end to end, those opportunities for candidates to not just learn about the Siemens culture but to experience it directly through the human interaction they have with the recruiter and other members, you know, other stakeholders throughout the hiring process. So we're, we're really looking to create those, you know, human moments of, of impact, if you will. Now, I just had to write down not digitizing the humanity because that's the that's the that's such a brilliant that's such a brilliant phase and phrase. And I think that sums it up so well. I just want to kind of put in an extra question to dig into a couple of things that, that you that, that you both said there. So we're agreed that the human aspect of this process is critically important because this is humans dealing with 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 humans around an incredibly big decision in someone's life. How much is there in terms of science that sits behind this, though? What is the role of data? I mean, James, is something you talked about. What is the role of data in terms of understanding that and making the process making the process better? Any, anyone can take that first. Well, I think I think with all things, the more data you collect about interactions, the better result you're going to get, aren't you? So, um, and we we ensure that any candidate that hits an attracts career site, we understand where they're coming from. We we understand that even hitting a career site, uh, for example, there might have been 50 different interactions with that brand off the career site. So it could be through a job board banner, it could be through a job board ad, it could be a, an application on Indeed, it could be it could be from a careers fair, it could be to a landing page that you set up. So, you know, the, the more data that you actually collect about the behaviour of that candidate, 
um, the more that you, that you can do about in, in terms of some of the things um, that Diane was, was speaking about. And, and you're obviously on, on fire with these great turns of phrase, Diane, because human mo moments of impact is, is a brilliant turn of phrase. And that's what we're talking about there, you know, because if, if that candidate can see somebody a bit like them doing a job a bit like uh, a job that they'd like to do on a career site, and that's been served up because the career site is smart enough to understand that that person's looking at that at that point in time, then that's a real win. We, we know that's a real win. You know, we, we've got lots of case studies of that. Um, and, and that helps in so many ways in terms of their conversion. You know, no, just, you know, for, even from a, a, a diversity inclusion perspective, perspective for, for example, if, if, if somebody's from the right ethnicity or backgrounds, that can be a huge win. So the, the, more, the more sophisticated the, the, in terms of data collection, um, you know, the better results you're going to get at the, at the front end. And Diane, I mean, how much does data play a part in how you sort of move forward with your candidate experience? Yeah, data is important for all the reasons that James just articulated. Couldn't agree more with the need for, you know, a sophisticated approach to data and, you know, looking at every possible data point. I think it's also important and, and the way we look at it at Siemens is, you know, it has to be balanced, right? So there's the sophisticated data. There's all that stuff that we're looking at. Um, but we're also, you know, it's not as high, it's, you know, it's not as scientific maybe, um, but we're also asking candidates. What do you want? What do you need? What was your experience? How has it been so far? Um, you know, and I, and I think that's, that's important in, you know, it doesn't matter what size your organization is or how sophisticated your tech stack is or any of that. Talk to your candidates. Um, you know, ask them, uh, survey them, candidate experience surveys, right? Look at that data and talk to them throughout the process. How's it been going so far? You know, we're, be transparent. We're trying to create an experience for you where you can envision yourself working for Siemens. We want you to feel like you're getting to know our work culture. So I think it's, it needs to be balanced. I, I think there's just 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 on that. There's there's um, there's a lot of pressure. I think to so I, I, again, I, could, I couldn't agree with more. You need you need that sort of analog um, approach as well, of course. But but you know, and we've talked but we've talked about e-retail a couple of times and. The problem is, you know, the budgets for retail are astronomical, aren't they? You know, compared to general uh, talent attraction budgets. And therefore, there is that greater pressure to do every year for a talent attraction team to do more with the same or even less, you know. So there is there is that pressure to automate, which could could in the future lead to greater innovation in our industry than, um, for example, e-retail e and things like that, where the bu the budgets are higher because, you know, the, 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 the sort of return investment is 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 that much more obvious. And that does bring me on to the, the next question, which is, I, I suppose, getting your crystal balls out and, and looking into the looking into the future in an optimistic way. So it's kind of what do you hope is going to happen? What do you think the recruiting process is going to look like in, in, in two years' time? James, what are your thoughts? Well, I, what, what I'm seeing, both as an employer, actually, uh, and as a vendor in this marketplace, is that, you know, it, it seems to me that headhunting, not in a traditional sense, but in this sort of courtship sense that I referred to, you know, um, is, is more prevalent. Okay. So the, the, in the way, the same way as that, you know, the, the next generation kind of wants that ownership of, of, of making a decision whether they buy stuff, they don't want to be sold to. So I can see that within the, the recruitment process as well. So it's like, give me information, I will make a decision. Okay. And, and that's very much different to, you know, when I first started out, it was all about 
applying for a job on a job board or, or certainly, you know, a transactional approach. I read the job spec. So I, 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 it might, might be a risky prediction, but I see fewer candidate placements in many industries um, as a result of a job application, more by self-selection. Um, which is kind of a form of head, it's, you know, self headhunting, isn't it? But I'm, no, I'm not talking about a traditional form where you know you, they do a load of research and give you a call out of office hours. I'm talking about where the candidate actually almost makes themselves available to be selected um, by, by that employer brand. It, do, am I making sense? <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, Diane, what's your what's your perspective? What I mean, first your perspective on what James has said, but also what's your vision of the recruiting process in two years' time? Yeah, I could not agree more with what James said, um, and so I won't repeat. I won't repeat it. <laughs> I'll build on it and maybe zoom up and out a little bit. Um, I think I think we're going to see AI impacting. You know, just kind of moving beyond pro- recruiting process, AI will be impacting recruiting models um, over the next couple of years and beyond. So just just like the way James really are, you know articulated how this is going to change for candidates, kind of selecting in versus us going after them, right? I think we're going to see certainly in larger organizations with more robust TA functions, they're going to start automating more the transactional aspects of TA which is going to allow them to become more sophisticated in how they support critical talent segments. So they can, you know, kind of ring fence those, those critical skills where we still have to do a lot of passive outreach, right. Um, And develop strategies and approaches specifically to support them. I think AI is going to really give us that opportunity to, to do that strategic segmentation in a way we've never even thought possible. Um, And I think then recruiters will be able to continue their transformation, you know, from recruiter into true talent advisory. Uh, and, and hopefully, I'm thinking about smaller companies too, as the use cases and the business value of AI and recruiting becomes stronger and stronger, and we see that happening every day, you know, hopefully smaller companies will be able to advance their business cases for investment in AI and start their transformational journeys, whatever that might look like for them. But regardless of how big or small an organization is or a TA function is, this rapid advancement in TA technology is happening. (laughs) It's happening to all of us. And we all have an opportunity to leverage it to drive higher value for the businesses that we support in some way. So it's, it's actually really exciting. Absolutely. And and that leads nicely onto my last question. In fact, the last question of the entire event. So let's let's finish with some advice to the employers who are listening or the employers who are gonna listen to listen to this in the in the future. So start with Diane, what what's your one piece of advice to employers when it comes to designing the candidate experience of the future? What what should they be focusing on first? Only one. All right, I'll try. Uh, <laughs> I'll try. Um, well, you know, actually, my first thought, my first comment probably would have been that the importance of that human touch, right? Don't digitize humanity out of the process. That would be number one. But we already talked about that. So I'll give you another one instead. Um, maybe kind of related, you know, and probably just as important as the human touch, the humanity in the process. And this might go without saying, but I think it's important to say it anyway we have to ensure that the candidate experience is not only inclusive, right, from a, from a diversity and inclusion perspective, but that we're creating 
really an authentic sense of belonging for our candidates, right? We need to give candidates an opportunity, like I mentioned earlier, to envision themselves as part of our work culture, to feel that out, right? Um, so that they can make a decision as to whether they can add value to our culture and, and feel really good about it. Um, but I think it's just so important that we we put that diversity, equity, and inclusion lens on everything that we think about under the umbrella of candidate experience. In fact, maybe inclusion and candidate experience should be synonymous. Absolutely. James, your, your, your final thoughts, what's your one piece of advice? Um, so I'm going to go down a rung to, you know, because we, a lot of the stuff we talked about today is quite, I mean, it's, it's big picture, it's expensive, but I think you need to do the basics really well. Um, you, you actually, you asked me this question at the end of the podcast we did together a couple of months ago. So I'll be consistent and answer in the same way and say that you need to get the basics right around candidate experience. So there's no point having a fantastic looking career site and the functionality being poor. And I'm referring to things like, you know, really awful ATS integrations, which put candidates off at that point of application, a lack of search engine optimization, which stops them coming through Google and Google for jobs and things like that. Um, you know, a bad experience applying from Indeed. These are all basics. And, you know, I, I hope some of the listeners have got most of the basics right. But without those basics, you can't do any of the things we're talking about today. You really can't. And, you know, we we survey a lot of um, employer brands, a lot of career sites, and, and a lot of employers still haven't got the basics right. So it sounds a bit mundane. It sounds a bit boring. But get the basics right before you start doing some of this this, this, this cool stuff. It's such a critical thing and it's something that, that, that gets missed so so many times. Once more, that was a fantastic conversation and I hate the fact that I've got to, I've got to, got to finish it. I could carry on for at least another half an hour. So James and Diane, thank you so much for uh, bringing your, your insights and experience to the, to the conversation. And I'll ask you to turn your, your cameras and your, and your mics off and I will invite Peter Back to the stage for one last time to, to, to help me wrap all of this up. Well, Matt, uh, you've done all the heavy lifting, uh, and it's been truly uh, a remarkable experience. I've been following some of the commentary on social media about your uh, interviews and discussions, and it's been universally not only positive, but really uh, exciting about some of the insights and, and ideas that have been discussed. So kudos to you. Kudos to your 10 guests. Uh, they were terrific to a person. Um, how would you like to close out our session? I would like to close out by asking you very quickly what your, what your biggest takeaway has been from listening into because we didn't really sort of talk about the other than the titles of the discussions we didn't I didn't really share with you what the content was going to be so I'm interested to know what you what's your biggest takeaway from the the, the five discussions that you've that you've just heard I, I think uh, at a 50,000 foot level what I heard was that um, there is a determination on the part of both employers and solution providers uh, to get the technology uh, opportunity right. You know, that there are things that technology can do, things that technology, at least given the state of the art today, cannot do. Um, and the key to success is to make sure that you understand the difference between the two and you focus on getting it right. Uh, I, I think if uh, if anything, uh, there's a greater appetite to explore, to use Diane's phrase, to reimagine uh, what talent acquisition might be like. Uh, and, and I think that that will lead to even more exciting 
new ways to help candidates find the right employer and the and employers find the right candidates for their openings. My thanks to Diane and James, and also a huge thank you to everyone at TA Tech for organising the event. You can find all the episodes in this conference series on the Recruiting Future website at www.recruitingfuture.com. If you click on the Future Live category, you'll see all five episodes in this series. We'll also be running another live podcast conference towards the end of this year, so please get in touch if you want to get involved. You can subscribe to the Recruiting Future podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. As I said, you can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list to get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time. And I hope you'll join me. This is my show.